Hello and welcome to episode 10, series 1 of Tulip Talks. Welcome back my trusted listeners, I hope you've had a good week. Hello to any newbies out there that are listening for the first time. I have actually had a lot of messages this week on my email, which has been nice, from people that have never heard of my podcast before but have started listening, which is great. Some people are starting from the start, some people are jumping in a bit further down the line, which is great. And um, yeah, I do really appreciate everybody out there that's been sharing this podcast with people that you may think enjoy it and you know I can never please everybody and I'm not trying to as I said at the very start of this podcast series about 10 weeks ago I'm really just doing it for a bit of entertainment for myself it's quite self-indulgent obviously I get to talk with no interruptions for 40 odd minutes which is which is great I also don't get anyone interrupting me which is perfect and um, I get to have the odd email which is really positive from people out there that say they're really enjoying it and um, yeah that's what I do it for really but not not the uh, pat on the back more uh, hoping that people get entertained a little bit and pass a little bit of the time because you know most of my Melbourne listeners are still in lockdown um, or should be so if you're not I'm watching and other people around the world are all going through similar struggles so you know it affects everybody in a different way but it's all pretty shit at the moment in the world globally so I'm just hoping that this little time with you on a whatever afternoon that you listen to it. I've, I've really been quite structured now. I'm starting to do it all on a Thursday night recording-wise and then put it out on Saturday night. It really suits me. I really enjoy and look forward to my Thursday night recording sessions. I come out here in the studio, which is essentially a posh shed, but we've made it into a nice little bit of a guest quarters. There's a king bed in here and um, a pull-out day bed which would sleep another couple of people on. I mean, we're not into swinging or anything like that. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. The idea is that we've got our beautiful friends that can come over and bring the kids and have a bit of a sleepover, which is great. Um, but it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a shack still. Uh, it's lovely on the inside, but it's tin roof, so you can probably hear a bit of rain pattering down there. So I apologise for that. Well, no, I don't apologise for the weather. It's not my fault, is it? Fucking hell. But anyway, welcome to everybody. Welcome, and I hope... This week is going to be entertaining for you. You might not know, but today is Thursday, and that is International Day of Rural Women. I read that earlier on LinkedIn, and I laughed. I laughed out loud. I lolled. I didn't ruffle, but I lolled. The International Day of Rural Women. So if you're not in the rural area, if you're in Melbourne Metro, or you're not in a uh, countryside location, it's not your day. But if you're out there... Pulling out potatoes with your bare hands, you've got mud under your fingers, it's your day. And I don't mind a bit of a day for a person. It's like, when I moved to Melbourne, I was so astounded by how many stats there were. It's like, today is the wettest day in March since records began that's had a higher wind speed than 34Ks. And you're like, yeah, everyone loves a stat in Melbourne, they really do. And you can pull out a stat from anywhere, really. It really depends how you crunch the data, but... um, these days, I think, are a little bit far-fetched sometimes. But, you know, I'm not having a go at you, rural women. It is your day. I don't want to steal your thunder. Although you'd probably like a bit of thunder, wouldn't you? Because it brings rain. And out there, in your rural areas, it means all your veggies can grow. So that's great. But I just thought I'd Google... I thought I'd Google other days of the year. Like, what's made it to the to the list of international days of. So I thought I'd ring, read a few out for you that amused me. So January the 4th every year is World Braille Day. World Braille Day. So if you know, I would imagine that you'd you'd know what braille is. It's it's the the way that blind people read. Which led me on to a little one-liner that I loved. I've really I've always loved this joke. 
Stevie Wonder once picked up a, gr- a cheese grater. Scariest book he ever read. You see? It's innocent. It's fine. It's like also the blind man that walks into a shop with a golden Labrador on the lead and he gets the golden Labrador and he spins it round his head three or four times. The shopkeeper says, everything all right, sir? He says, yeah, I'm just having a look around. <laughs> my final blind joke, my blind person joke, is the guy that goes into a pub and um, he's got a dog with him. He's got a uh, a bulldog with him. And he's like, oh, I can't really go in here, can I? Because it says no dogs except dark guide dog. So he puts his sunglasses on and he starts, you know, hands outside of outside the front, walking towards the bar and the bartender goes, hey, excuse me, sir. Um, we're not allowed um, any dogs in here, I'm afraid. He goes, oh, it's a, it, I'm, I'm blind. It's actually a guide dog. And the bartender says, are you joking? I mean, you've got a bulldog. And he goes, I can't believe they gave me a bulldog. Because <laughs> he's blind, he wouldn't know. You see, there's my, there you go. That's my trifecta. World Braille Day, January the 4th. Um, February 6th, International Day of Zero Tolerance to Female Genital Mutilation. So every other day we can suffer it, but on 6th of February, just, do you know what I mean? Just just bite your lip, all right? Well, they probably might not have an ear, actually, if they're whipping it all off and getting a cock. March the 1st is Zero Discrimination Day. Um, I think it's almost a shame that a few other categories didn't make it on that day. Very elitist, but never mind. Uh, March the 8th, International Women's Day. So if your house isn't spotless on the 8th of March, then it's never going to be. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't mean that. I'm not a sexist person. 20th of March is International Day of Happiness. Um, Hopefully your house is still clean (laughs) from the 8th. 21st of March, International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. I don't think that worked, did it? Because people are still very, very discriminative in the racial department. So maybe that just started last year and we're hoping that it builds a little bit of momentum. 21st of March, World Poetry Day. Also, they say, I had it my way. World Poetry Day, lovely. 24th of March, International Day for the Right to the Truth Concerning Gross Human Rights Violations and for the Dignity of Victims. Wow. Okay, so that's your day. April the 2nd, World Autism Awareness Day, which they probably all knew that was coming seven seven years ago to the minute. April the 4th, International Day for Mine Awareness and Assistance in Mine Action. I like the idea of somebody assisting in mine action, just going, I wouldn't put your foot over there, I think it might blow. (laughs) 21st of April, World Creativity and Innovation Day. Which I think is almost a shame to have it the same year every day. If you're going to get all creative and innovative, then why don't you mix it up? Have it in have it in May next year. Fool people. 25th of April is International Delegates Day. International Delegates Day. I wonder if they asked them to do it on that day or if they suggested another. 25th World Malaria Day. I don't know if it celebrates the fact that malaria is around and like, you know, oh, we all die every now and again, but let's celebrate it because, you know... It's the culling of the herd, or whether or not it's, I don't know, awareness of malaria and wrap yourself in cotton wool, I'm not sure. 26th of April, International Chernobyl Disaster Remembrance Day. Fucking terrible. Why would you even want that day? Oh, yeah, remember that day when everyone got fucking mutated and grew another arm? Horrible. 2nd of May, World Tuna Day. Does that mean that you're trying to think about protecting the species, or you go out fishing for it? Eat it or, or fish it, I'm not sure. Second weekend in May, World Migratory Bird Day Be Free. 
World Mig- Migratory Bird Day. World Migratory. Oh, okay. So, when birds fly away, it's, you celebrate that day. Okay, okay. Good on you. Jesus. 17th of June, World Day to Combat Desertification and Drought. They should speak to World Water Day. That's another day, actually, apparently. But anyway, these are so bloody. International Day of Yoga, 21st of June. I actually thought I'd do yoga about two years ago. I rang up to the uh, local gym and I said, um, I'm looking at doing yoga. And um, and they've done it before. And the lady said, okay, well, how flexible would you say that you are? I said, I can't do Tuesdays or Thursdays. (laughs) Now we've started. Here we go. 23rd of June, International Widows Day. Jesus Christ. Does that mean you've got to time your suicide if you're a man on that day? So she'll be a widow on that day? Or is it just in general? Woe is me. Hate hate him not being around. Um, 11th of July, World Population Day. I think it'll be a lot bigger next year. (laughs) Anyway, October 1st, International Day of Older Persons. How bloody good is that? Because it's my birthday. So, of course, everyone's getting older every year. I love that. Yeah. 2nd of October, the very next day, International Day of Nonviolence. That's because when I woke up hungover after my birthday, I can't give Leah a hairy backhander. Sounds terrible, but I would never do that. 15th of October is today, the International Day of Rural Women. And there we go. I'm not going to go anymore. Oh, 2nd of December, International Day for the Abolition of Slavery. So, no more slavery. Wow. So, you know, everyone's got a day. Everyone has their day. But today is my day. And today is my day that I talk to you guys and girls and dogs and cats. Whatever you, whatever you might be out there, hello. Hope you've had a bloody good week. I've had a great week this week. But I always say that, don't I? Because I'm a very positive person. And I don't like to bring people down with all your shit stories. And it's really tough for me at the moment because... So I've got a bit of work on at the moment. And I'm headhunting candidates. And Leah's doing a lot of work on LinkedIn, which is great. And it means that my phone is running hot. So people are randomly ringing me. Hi, I'm just giving you a call because you've sent me a note through LinkedIn or you've left a message on my mobile and I have to go through the whole sales pitch of why we're talking to you and what we're doing. And I've got some really awesome assignments on at the moment. So one of the businesses that I'm working with at the moment is launching a new baby formula in Australia with a view to go up into the Chinese market, which is huge for baby formula. It's like quite a sought after a niche area to get into because if you can get the product on your shelf in Australia and get the the picture of it literally being on a, a shelf of Priceline or um, you know a um, baby bunting of this world then the Chinese market go wow people in Australia think it's good enough for them so bang goes up into us uh, into China and I'm talking to a lot of people that are in that space at the moment looking for sales people to go out and knock on doors Uh, in the independent grocery channel to try and get their product on the shelf which is good but a lot of people are giving me a call and they're asking oh how are you going and I've never spoke to them before and of course you've got to try and get that fine line between being relevant and talking and and mentioning oh you know we're in lockdown and it's you know it's covid situation so you want to give them a little bit about you know where you are where you live are your kids at home have you got kids Um, but you don't want to get into that whole or I don't believe you want to get into that whole boring like how sad everything is how depressing everything is because they'll just say the same thing and you just 
almost to the point now where I want to say to people, but you, you can't really because it sounds a bit rude. Can we just skip the COVID chat and just talk like we would normally if that wasn't happening? Because it just wastes everyone's time and nobody really wants to talk about it any more than they're already doing because everyone's talking about it with their friend circles and online and in WhatsApp groups. So it is difficult because you do want to just be like cut straight to the point, talk about the role, talk about the opportunity. But then you find yourself, you know, naturally talking about this business that's COVID proof. You know, there's babies going to be around forever and formula's the new thing or it can be the new thing. And it's it's a weird one. But I'm hoping and I'm um, trying desperately not to bring COVID and the global pandemic into my everyday um, vocabulary because it, it does bore me a little bit. But anyway, so um, work's been good. I've had a nice week. We've been very, very busy. And as we sit here right now, the rain is absolutely thrashing down in the garden, which is great because we did a little bit of planting this week. I know I mentioned my vegetable patches last week. And, um, you know, it is a bit of a labour of love. I'm not really loving it. It's a little bit boring. But, you know, it's nice to see things grow. It's nice to do those things with the family, I guess. And, um, you know, what else can you do during these times? You've got to try and find something to make it interesting. And um, one thing that is very exciting and very interesting about this week is I actually got approached by somebody that's been a listener for the last two or three weeks and he has his own winery and he picked up he picked up a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned that I was sat in the studio drinking Pinot and lo and behold his winery actually produces Pinot uh, amongst many other award-winning wines he does some Rieslings and um, some well pretty much everything he's a he's a really fun guy and um He's got a lot of passion and he he reached out to me and said, Paul, um, I just want to offer you some of my wine so that maybe one day when you're in your podcast studio, you might be having a sip of that and enjoying that. And um, I could tell you right now, I'm absolutely loving it. I've just had about one and a half glasses so far, so I'm not drunk, but it's very, very nice. And their wines are wildfire wines. And you can go onto their website, which is wildfires.com.au, and have a look at all of their awesome wines. And guess what? On the back of him listening to my podcast, he has started his own podcast, which he's going to launch on Friday, I believe. And um, he's getting himself all geared up for that, which is really exciting because um, he's he's a bit like me, not massive into technology, but he's he's finding his feet through the way that I did. And um, I've, I've hopefully cut a few corners for him and let him know what to do and um yeah good on him he's having a go and he's using it as a bit more of a business tool and a marketing tool to get out to his customers and talk about wine why he fell in love with it some stories and you know some history of the the vineyards and all that which is fantastic and um yeah he's kindly sent me a case of wine this week and um you know i think on the back of that i can effectively say i'm sponsored i'm getting sponsored by wildfire wine so uh, do yourselves a favor and go and jump online and, um, you know, maybe mention my name and you might get a discount. I don't know. I'm just making things up here. I don't know. Um, so this week is, well, it's sort of UFO. It's sort of ghost week. There's, uh, I've had a few, well, I've had some great stories in this week. I've had some brilliant stories from people that I'm very good friends with and also some random people that I don't really know that well that have given me some ghost and UFO stories. It's been really interesting and I guess... The reason that I um, started this is because I actually had a call, well, WhatsApp message from my mum about, I think it would have been just before last week's podcast, so maybe like last Wednesday, and she sent me a message on WhatsApp, um, which was the following, which has started this whole UFO weird ghost thing. My mum, by the way, 
is a very sensible lady. She's not a big drinker. She doesn't do drugs, uh, not to my knowledge, anyway. She has been in the police force. Very sensible lady. So she's not, you know, a scatty um, hippie woman living with nine cats and uh, my dad. Um, so, yeah, we can just, um, you know, think about that when I'm telling you the following things. I don't want you to judge my mum. Apart from if you're thinking that she's a legend, because she is. Anyway, Paul, I hope you're okay. I thought I'd tell you about my experiences today. I woke as normal this morning and then had a shower. I washed my hair. I then got the towel to dry and started to dry my hair and had it over my head as I have done many times before. But this is when it becomes weird. I then saw a figure of a woman or a girl and she had something blue near her face. Then it focused more and I saw a brownish dress with a large white collar and then she had a large hood-like hat. I could not see her face. Then suddenly a larger figure appeared. The figure was behind the girl or the woman and put an arm around her. The figure was dressed in a brownish outfit and I couldn't see any face as it was dark. But she had a hood on and it seemed to cover her face. I felt I was there with them, Paul. I don't know how long that lasted for, but I could see them in my mind. Attached is a picture of what I saw. I wish you could see this picture, by the way, but I can't show it to you. I've tried to make sense of it and search the internet. This is my thoughts. It was in October 1347 when the plague came, and the clothes I saw were from that period. Also, this is the creepiest. The larger figure could be the Grim Reaper. He came round about the same time as the plague, and my info had led me to believe that he was the Grim Reaper, and not, uh, that if you see the Grim Reaper and not near death, you will become a Grim Reaper when you eventually die. It is not something to be afraid of because the Grim Reaper is a type of angel and guides people on their final path to death. I haven't told your sister this yet, but no doubt when I do, you will both think your mother has lost the plot. You will be booking into the men you'll be booking me into the mental hospital. Ha ha. So that was my mum this week. Just sending me that from nowhere. And I have to, you know, wake up on a Wednesday morning, you know, go and get the kids up and all that, and I check WhatsApp and bang. Bloody hell. Got a lot to take in there. Okay. So that's mum. She's always been a bit like that. Um but I love her for it. And I really, really enjoy having those conversations with her, especially when we're together when I'll say, Mum, come on. Give me a theory on life. What happens when we die? What do you reckon? Give me some, you know, give me some insight. And she she does read a lot and um, watch a lot of that sort of stuff, but not in not in a brainwashed way. She, what mum is really good at is taking all of that information in and then giving her own spin on things. And sometimes some of the stuff she comes out with is absolutely ridiculous, like in a good way. Remember once when she was like half drunk, she came out with this theory and explained... Um, how everything was going to happen in the future, and it just was... I wish I could have recorded it. It was bloody amazing. And I think it was me and my dad that were sat there just going, do you know what, Jared? I think you're on something there. We're, 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 get your, get the foil out. Let's make tin hats. I'm, I'm signed up. This is brilliant. Um, but, yeah, she sent me that during the week, and I was just like, oh, my God. What? what I mean, how do you unpick that? You know, it's 7 o'clock on a... Thursday morning or whatever, and you're just reading that now, and you're like, right, okay, well, okay, uh, I'll get back to you on that, but I bloody love her, she's great like that, and, um, you know, whilst they were both in the police force and very sensible people, my dad actually has got a ghost story, and um, I haven't spoke to him about this for a number of years, but I, I reckon maybe five or six years was the last time I heard this story, I think, because, you know, if anyone ever talks about ghost stories in um, dad's company, he always brings this one up. And um, it's the story involves our family dog when we were younger. Now, a lot of people laugh at this, but our, our family dog 
was called Carl. And everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people laugh at that and go, you had a dog named Carl. It's not a bloody dog's name, is it, Carl? And I go, no, because it was with a K. Like it makes it all right. Um, it was a German Shepherd, a police-trained German Shepherd, or as a lot of people call them, an Alsatian. Anyway, it was an amazing dog, and it was massive, and it was trained so well by my dad. I don't know whether or not he actually got any help from the people that trained the police dogs, or whether or not it was bred from that sort of family, but in my head it was always like a police-trained dog because it was just crazy how good it was. I remember my dad telling me stories of when he could go out um, of the house with the dog, no lead, walk the dog all the way into the park, which you could see from our house, walk 200 metres, tell Carl to sit, which it would, and then my dad would walk back to the house and he would um, go up to the top window, open the window, and Carl would still be sat there, you know, hundreds of metres away. My dad could put his arm out to the left and the dog would go that way, my dad could put his arm out to the right and he'd go the other way and then he'd say, right, come, and that would be it. The dog would come home. Like, apparently that's the the story and I don't remember because I was so young, but one thing my mum and dad always told us when we got a bit older was that Carl used to babysit for us. And a lot of people, my friend Helen used to laugh all the time at that, going, yeah, he had cat. So not let's just get past the point that Carl is the name of the dog. Carl used to babysit for you. And I said, yes, he did. So when we lived in Harrogate, um, which was where I was from being zero to about six, there was a pub at the end of the street. It would be about 200 metres away from the front door. And mum and dad apparently used to go to the pub, not all the time, but like they'd be, you know, go to the end of the road or see neighbours or whatever. And they would be able to put Carl at the front door and say, sit, lie, whatever the command was. And he would protect the house. And me and Claire would be upstairs in bed, fast asleep. Now, as I'm saying this right now, I'm thinking, mum and dad might be listening to this and saying, oh God, we weren't that irresponsible, whatever. It might, I'm not saying they were at the pub all night. They weren't that kind of people. I get the impression as I've, you know, the years have got on, it might have been more, you know, they'd be at the neighbours and they'd be keeping an eye on me and on my sister, but Carl would be there protecting the house. So don't quote me. I don't want any people ringing in saying, that's so irresponsible. Listen, is it irresponsible? We're still here. We're still good, aren't we? We're still here and we didn't get eaten. We didn't get taken by a UFO or an alien or anything. So just hold your horses on that one. But yeah, Carl was our family dog. And um, I remember this is a really sad piece of the story that I wasn't going to talk about because it's just literally coming to my mind right now, literally. Um, I remember asking my dog about, asking my Carl about, asking my dog about my dad. (laughs) Carl, tell us about my father. Why why was our relationship so good? Um, No, I would say to my dad years after, when he talked so fondly about Carl, I said, "Um, did Carl ever break break anything? And I remember my dad saying vividly, only my heart when he died. That's a true story. It's not a joke, that's a story. And I don't know how long ago that was, that was ages ago, but I vividly remember that. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes things really stick with you, don't you? And like you just can't forget things. It might be just something stupid. It might be a um, a saying or a word or a situation back in the day. And for some reason, it doesn't seem really relevant, but of all the things that you took on from your childhood, some things really stick. And I remember that. And I also remember um, one of my fondest memories of being a kid was when my dad used to come home 
um, at the at the house in Harrogate. So I would have been very young. Um, my dad was in the police and he had a police bike. Oh, no, he didn't have a police bike. He had an actual motorbike that used to go to and from the police station on. And when he was at the end of the street, he used to wait for me and I used to run out. And I used to sit on his knee and he used to come like the last sort of, sorry that sounds disgusting um he used to uh, <laughs> he used to drive like the last 150 meters with me on his lap on on the um on the motorbike and i remember just how amazing that was and like nowadays you wouldn't do that would get a helmet on what happens if someone sees him oh, I, think, I think karen's seen it and she's put it on facebook fuck off but anyway that was a really nice childhood memory of mine and all the street parties we used to have in the uk um when um charles and diana got married we used to have a big we had a big street party and yeah it was great and i really worry about my kids not worry worry is the wrong word but i'm conscious of when they grow up and they uh, you know have a you know they grow up in general whether or not they're going to have as good a memory as, as i had from being a child i had an amazing childhood i loved school i loved all my friends i was very very fortunate and um I don't think there's many people that I speak to that don't say that their younger days were some of the best of their life. Like, I'm having a lovely time now, and I really enjoy my life. I love every minute of every day. I really I really do, and I've got loads better at that recently by being, you know, sort of grateful for um, every moment because you only get one shot, and whether or not you do have an afterlife and things happen um, when, you, when, you leave the, when you leave the earth, who knows? But I think trying to be thankful for every single day is such an amazing um, quality and if you can appreciate the little things um, particularly in these times then you've unlocked an amazing um, an, an amazing superpower so hopefully as I'm talking to you now you're maybe checking in with yourself and, and taking stock on whether or not everything's as bad as you think it is because sometimes you do wake up and you think you got the weight of you will. I mean, I'll give you an example, right? Because everyone always thinks for me, I'm always like upbeat and like I say to Leo, is he always like this? Is he always, you know, the larrikin? Is he always up and about? And like, I'm not. And and some days I just think, oh, I've got a couple of things to do today and it's just really getting me down. Like we got a stain on our couch about three weeks ago and we got this, we took out one of those um, warranties when you buy the couch and they upsell you. Would you like to take out the uh, the five-year warranty? So if any stain uh, of any background, of any heritage um, happens on your couch, then you can uh, you can get it cleaned for nothing, no 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 qualms. And you go, yeah, 150 bucks, whatever. Anyway, we had that stain. And I just tried to clean it a little bit and just thought, nah, fuck it. You pay the warranty for a reason or you pay the protection for a reason at Nick Scarly, wherever it was where we got it. And... Um, but it's been played on my mind. I have to take pictures, get the warranty out, do all that. And even like the other day, I was waking up and I thought, right, what have I got to do today? And it was getting me down. Like, it's not even a bad thing. What a fucking first world problem. What, you've got to actually utilize the warranty that you've paid for to contact the company to say, come and sort out the mess that I've made. And, and like, I took a few pictures, emailed them, did the, the form online. Then they emailed me back. Yep, okay, we need this, this and this. And I did that. And then I felt some sense of achievement, and I was thinking, that wasn't even that hard. But little shit like that can get you down, can't it? Like, just oh, one of those little shit jobs. Like, our um, Kanara in the main um, lounge room started smoking about six months ago, and uh, I caught it having a cigarette. No, it was smoking, and like black smoke was coming out the chimney, because it was blocked. Anyway, I've since unblocked it, which is great, but the white paint above the um, flue in the lounge room is, like, discoloured. It's compromised. The, the look doesn't look great it's got this like you know cloud of 
black soot all over the white, nice white paintwork. And I've and I've been thinking, oh, fucking hell, I've got to sort that out now. I've got to get the paint. I've got to do this. Got to do, you know, as simple as that. When I say I've got to do this, got to do that, it's nothing, is it? It's buy a fucking paintbrush, buy a roller, get the paint, go, bang over it. But it, I still haven't done it. But it's every single day. It's in my head that I've got to do it. Sometimes you just, you know, what you got to do? You just got to bite the frog or kiss the frog, whatever you used to call it. We had this sale. We had this thing in sales. Get the job that you're dreading out the way early as, because otherwise you'll think about it all day and it'll drag you down. Um, so you may as well just get up and do it. So what I should be doing is taking my own advice and tomorrow waking up, get on click and collect, go down to Bunnings, collect my paint, which doesn't matter what colour it is. Who cares if it doesn't match with the dining room? No one's going to stand in the doorway of the lounge in the dining room and go, oh, I think that's eggshell and I think that's cream. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Like, so just go and do it. It's not a big deal. Get a roller, get a few drop sheets, put them over your couch. Doesn't matter if I stay in the couch, does it? Who cares? The fucking guy's coming out in three weeks. I just confirmed it. Apparently, it's an essential service to come around and clean my couch. I hope he doesn't look through the cushions because anyone who's listened to my earlier podcast will realise I'm quite partial to a couch. Anyway, so just a little shit like that. Don't let it bother you. Who cares? Whatever. Anyway, so Carl, lovely dog he was. Lovely dog. And my dad had a ghost story about him. And he always used to tell this story whenever whenever anyone brought it up. And he would be at the police headquarters in North Yorkshire, a place called Newbie Whisk. And he said, I took Carl... Uh, as he often did, and um, they were, it's like an old stately home, Newby Whisk, a beautiful old stone building, lots and lots of rooms, big gym, big hall. My dad was a personal um, training instructor, PTR, yeah, personal training instructor in the police in his early days, so he trained the cadets to get f- super fit, and um, my dad is still a very super fit guy, and he worked his way up to be chief superintendent, very, very high up and very proud of him in the police force and um you know so he's a smart man he's not an idiot he's not a guy that you know he's one away with the fairies so his ghost story holds some weight to me and he talks about when he was in there one night on his own and he was in the office with carl and he walked along the corridor to sort of start locking up and he walked down this corridor and uh, carl the dog just absolutely stood frozen wouldn't move at all just was rigid and dad looked down around and he was like, "What? Come on, come on!" Wouldn't, wouldn't move. Just absolutely stood there, staring at something. And then the double doors in front of them waved open and closed again. So, like, with no nobody there, just the the, the doors actually went open and closed again. And um, that was it. And then my dad said, "Come on, Carl, come on!" And then the dog moved and went through the doors and all that. And my dad says, "Yeah, to this day." Can't explain it. Dog was freaked out. He never was like that. And um, who knows what it was. And that was that was just that. And, you know, so that's a sensible person with a story. Um, and I, you know, when I was older and, you know, up until recently, I thought, oh, it'd be so good to get one of those dogs, like a an Alsatian, German Shepherd. I know they're the same thing, but I'm just trying to give you the words that you might recognise because not everyone knows them as an Alsatian or they'll know them as a German Shepherd. And a lot of people might look at those dogs and think, oh, bloody hell, they're an angry dog. They're a a big dog and it's dangerous but i tell you what it was the best dog in the world so gentle and if they're well trained they're amazing as with most dogs they're a reflection of their owners and how um how strict they've been with their upbringing so when i decided to uh get a dog and i wanted a dog which was about four years ago um me and leah had the conversation i said oh you know well i've always been you know been brought up around big dogs mum and dad had a alsatian when we were younger and it was an amazing dog very well trained and 
oh, you know, he used to babysit for us. So, you know, I was trying to think of, you know, down the line when we can go out to, into the city and go out to Revolver and know that Josh and Seth are at home getting looked after by, looked after by a German Shepherd. Uh, excuse me. Anyway, so Leah goes, well, nah, I think that's a bit of a big dog and big dogs, big work, you know, a lot of training and pooing and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's keep an open mind. And she goes, oh, I wouldn't mind looking at this dog. And it was a, um, a cavoodle. So it's a cross between a... Uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel and a a um, po- uh, bloody hell a toy poodle. King Charles Cavalier Spaniel and a pot and a pot noodle. I was going to say a toy poodle, and um, the pictures, you know, amazing, beautiful little dogs. And you know, you read up about them, and you're like, well, that is pretty good. It'll walk as long as you want to walk, or it won't walk. Doesn't molt. Um, really easy to train. They think they're a human. They love being around people. They're great with kids. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And I was buying into it and buying into it. But what I forgot was that I told a lot of my good friends that I was getting a dog. And yeah, I think I'm going to get a German Shepherd. And like, you know, because that was the manly thing to say. You know, your friend's going to ask you what you're going to get. You go, I think I'm going to get a Cavoodle. Like, you're not going to say that. You go, yeah, I'm going to get a German Shepherd. You know, yeah, get a you know police trained dog and get it right. We had one when I was a kid and used to babysit and blah, blah. Um, anyway, so I kind of forgot to tell my good friends, my mates, that um, we'd gone off on a bit of a tangent and that Leah had suggested another dog and actually it's gathering some pace now. We've been out to see a breeder and we'd put a deposit down on it. Um, so much so that when I eventually text them or rang them and said, oh, we've got, we've got the dog, and they're like, oh my God, amazing, send me through a picture. So I've sent through a picture of um, Nala, who is a female Cavoodle, who, you know, to be fair to her, is very similar in colouring to a German Shepherd. She's got mostly black fur with a little bit of a tan um, chest hair and a little bit of white through it. Um, but, you know, she was, I think, 0.2 kilos when she's born. I think she's 4.6 kilos in total now. So she's not she's not as aggressive as the as the German Shepherd, but she's, um, she's a great dog and we love her a lot. But my mates never let me hear the end of that. And they were, you know... Well, you showed her, didn't you, Chulip? Hey, you really put your foot down. Well, I'm getting a German Shepherd. I'll be getting. I'll say, yeah, okay. Next minute, cavoodle, bang. So anyway, I don't regret having that dog. Or and and, and weirdly, when we picked her up from the breeder, eventually we asked what her uh, we got her birth details, her birth certificate, and her birthday is the same as mine, first of October. Crazy. So she used she recently turned four years old, which is amazing. Well, it's not amazing, is it? It's fucking just four years for a dog. It's not like she's done anything amazing, really. But she's she's four. Um, and we went to puppy school. And the first time I went down to puppy school, I was hungover. And I decided to go down there on my own and pre-kids. So, you know, you can be hungover on a Sunday. It doesn't really matter. Went down there and I thought I'm just going to, you know, take the piss. I was a little bit more confident than I normally would be, which I know is hard to believe. But um, we did this thing where you um, were stood in a big circle and you go in there, pay $20, go and stand in a big circle, a beginner's class, and there's like 12 people there with dogs all sat by their side, which Nala was. She's, you know, a very good dog even without training. And um, you had to tell a little bit about yourself and um, a little bit about your dog. And because I was hungover, I didn't really care. And they got back to me and I said, oh, hi, my name's Paul Tulip. I've just recently moved to the area. And this is my dog, Nala, who's a nine or ten week old German Shepherd. And everyone laughed. Everyone was loving it. And she, the, the trainer, she had a microphone on. She was like, sorry, what was that? She, she said, what? I said, German Shepherd. A German or Alsatian. I think it might, maybe, I don't know, I'm English. Maybe you know it's an Alsatian. 
and she's laughing but then it's getting to awkward laughing and i'm not giving her anything because i'm very good at doing that I, I love awkward i love embarrassment so i was just very poker face and she's like um i don't think it's a german shepherd and i did the old you know like the blind guy well what have they given me um and i was just you know going along with it the whole time and eventually people got my humor and realized that i was taking the piss and um, but we had a really good week that week and we actually won um student and dog of the week i don't know if it was a combined thing if we individually just fluked it and i won student of the week and nala won dog of the week because it'd be a bit awkward wouldn't it, if i won student of the week with another dog and then had to get a picture with another dog that i didn't give a fuck about um but no it was a combined effort and i came back to leah and i said you know we've won this award which is great told her the story oh you're so you're so zany paul you're so funny i bet everyone just loved you why didn't you invite them back and let them be your best friend anyway that was a good time so now lovely little dog really is um other stories about my dad being a policeman well one more story because there's many of them with my dad being a policeman and some of the stories he's got are absolutely horrific by the way um terrible stories but this is a nice one well it's not a nice one I, I thought it was funny at the time and I still think it's funny now but I remember a few years later my dad told me about this and he was like you have no idea how weird that was so we had to at school talk about um why we love our dad and I would have been maybe seven or eight years old and it wasn't like a show or tell it was just literally you have to stand up and say why you love your dad and I thought nothing of it um and I had to draw a picture and I went through it, drew this picture, and stood up at school. It wasn't in assembly or anything. It was just in the class, like 30 people, with my favorite teacher, Miss Coupe, my favorite teacher of all time, because if anybody did anything wrong to another person, she would always let that other person get their revenge. And she'd always say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And I loved her. So, you know, if somebody knocked your pencil case on the floor, then you could go and do it to them. It was brilliant. So Miss Coupe was a legend. And I remember one day, stood up in her class, and I had to talk about why I love my dad. And I stood up there completely nonchalantly, innocently, and just said, I love my dad because every now and then he brings me toys back from work. <laughs> and I had a picture of me with an orange sledge. Um, I don't know if you even know what sledges are in Australia because you don't have any snow, but a sledge or a sleigh, you know, what you use when the snow comes and you sit in it and you go down a hill and it's amazing. And I remember the few weeks previous, my dad came home with this sledge. And I was like, oh, dad, that's amazing. Thank you, whatever. You know, I was eight years old. So I don't know if I speak like that, but I was very grateful. And I remember actually knowing um, at the time um, that dad had said, oh, you know, well, we've lost property in the police force. You know, if it's not being claimed after six months, then, you know. I don't know if he, I don't want to be quoted on this. I don't know if he said that you can take it. I don't know. But we came, it was a sledge. It was probably only a 10 book sledge. It wasn't expensive or anything. It wasn't like he was bringing bikes home or jewelry or, I mean, he did bring bikes home or jewelry. No, he didn't. Um, so I had this sledge and that's my show and tell. So I kind of did this picture. And um, a few days later, my dad saw the picture and he goes like, what's this? And I said, oh, we had to talk um, about why we love our daddy at, at school. And um, my story was um, because sometimes he brings home toys from work and my dad's face was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My dad got caught out another time when he bought his first ever new car while being with mum. So they've been married. We, we, you know, my dad's my dad has actually bought. Guess this. Guess, guess what? My dad in his lifetime. So I think my dad's 70. He's 70 because he was meant to come over for his 70th birthday just gone that would have been in may so he's 70 and guess how many cars he's owned in his whole life 64 my dad loves 
buying and selling cars. Absolutely loves it. And one of the first time, I think the first time he got a new car, um, it was an Escort XR3i, like a sports car, really nice car. I think it was a black, a white one, maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, it was a, it was a car. And um, when he went to go and pick it up, he tells a story brilliantly. Um, there, there was a bunch of flowers on the parcel shelf. I don't know why it's called a parcel shelf, but you know that shelf that's on the back of the boot. It was a bunch of flowers there, and the dealer said to my dad, "Oh, there you go. They're for the, they're for the wife." And um, hope you enjoy your new car. And my dad came home. And my dad tells this story better than I will, but he came home and he, um, mum saw the flowers and he went, oh, Jim, are they for me? Because, you know, she's that, that's how she speaks. And dad was like, just ran with it and went, yeah, yeah, well, I just, you know, thought it'd be nice to get you the flowers and you know, say thanks for letting me get the new car, my first ever new car, it's great. And um, thought nothing of it. And then he was at work a few days later and the show, the, the, the car dealer rang um, the the landline because no one had mobiles in those days and they they rang the landline and my mum answered oh hi there is that Mrs Chulip oh it is yeah oh, I was just ringing to see if Jim's there oh no he's not he's at work at the moment all oh, right well is he is he enjoying his new car oh he loves it he's been showing all the neighbours he absolutely loves it I've never never seen him fall so uh, deeply in love with the car and did you like the flowers that we sent you Mrs Tulip oh dear dad got rumbled that day didn't he absolutely rumbled tried to claim the flowers naughty naughty um but that was uh that was dad's yeah first new car but he's had many many since he just he just loves to trade he loves to trade anyway we've had lots of uh really good stories this week about the ufos and the ghost stories and uh, we also had a bit of feedback last week on the the living for yourself situation a few of my mates were ringing me and telling me that you're absolutely spot on with the spare rooms how you set your spare room up for visitors um you know so you make your spare room you know, as big as possible, um, you put the bed in the corner, you know, you, you sacrifice how your spare room looks for 99% of the time, um, rather than just move it to suit, you know, your visitors when it happens, so that's interesting, a lot of people bought into that, another mate in the UK is actually genuinely looking into getting a spare bed in the same room as the other bed, because they want to be in the same room together, but they can't, for the life of them, um, find a way that works when they sleep in the same bed, so that was interesting, and, uh, couple of UFO stories that I, and, and ghost stories that I thought might be interesting for you this week. Um, and one of them's from my mate, Dwayno, who I know through Leah's brothers. Uh, he's an absolute legend. He's a really, really smart guy, I've got to tell you. His job title is Senior Postdoctoral Research Scientist in Women's Cancer Genetics. He's actually a fellow. He's very, very, very clever. And here is his story. Paul, it was the year 2000. I was in grade 10 and we knocked off from school on Friday and I went home. As soon as I walked in the dorm, I put my rollerblades on and hit the streets outside. And we'll have to talk about that with him another point that he's rollerblading at 10, but whatever. There was a point where I was going so fast, a bus that I... I was going so fast, um, racing a bus that I stacked it and broke my arm in half and my arm was hanging sideways. My parents took me immediately to the Austin hospital where I spent the three days getting surgery on my arm and healing. On the Monday night, I told my mum I was um, so sick of being in hospital, particularly as my as the Kevin Bacon movie Stir of Echoes had been on repeat the last two days and I was going mad. My mum begged the doctor to let me go and the hospital discharged me at 3am. Mum drove me home. We were driving up the Greensboro Highway in the middle of the night and there were no cars on the road. 
In the distance, hovering above the huge roundabout at the end of the highway, I saw a large glowing disc about 50 metres in the air. I thought to myself, you have been in hospital for three days on painkillers. You are probably seeing something. So I said to my mum, mum, look ahead and tell me what you see. She described the exact same thing, so I knew I wasn't going mad. As we approached it, we both thought maybe the council had installed a water tower whilst I was in hospital. But when we got to the roundabout, we could see it was hovering. We did two laps around the roundabout, looking up in shock before peeling out and racing home, which was just down the road. The next morning, I fell out of bed and broke my plaster, so my mum took me back to the hospital that morning to get it fixed. We drove back to the roundabout, and in time, uh, this time in daylight with many cars around, um, there was no sign of anything being there. However, we were not the only ones that saw the glowing disc that night. There were multiple reports in the area and the Diamond Valley newspaper had a story about the calls the police station received about the sightings. I'm not saying that what I saw was two little green men, Paul, in a spaceship and from Mars. Not, no, I'm not. But it was an unexplained flying object. So there you go from Dwayne, who's a very, very clever man. This is from my good friend Charlie. My girlfriend at the time lived in a cottage on the grounds of Sawley Hall, as her dad was the head gardener for the stately home. This is Charlie from England that I said the other week was the only person who's one of my great friends now that I hated from the start. So I'll try and do it in his posh accent because he is very posh. My girlfriend and I at the time lived in a cottage on the grounds of Sawley Hall, as her dad was the head gardener for the stately home. It was Valentine's Day and naturally we'd had an argument, so around 1am I went outside to sit on the garden wall to cool off. Can you believe that? I had an argument on Valentine's Day like it's standard. Anyway, I'm not doing any more Charlie accent. The wall was about 5 foot high and encircled their garden, but layered up to around 12 foot high to the adjoining main wall. So my view of the event was somewhat obscured. Sawley Hall had beautiful grounds and gardens with a Downton Abbey-esque gravel driveway, driveway that I could nearly see from the top of the wall and I was 100 foot away. The gravel driveway had big oak trees, equally spaced on either side, and no lighting until you reached closer to the hall, so it was pitch black. Midwinter, 1am, clear night in the heart of Yorkshire, you could hear a mouse fart. I'm sat there contemplating the lovers' quarrel that we'd just had, and I heard what I can only describe as the sound of a horse and car up the gravel driveway. I heard men and women laughing and joking, the crack of a whip, and the unmistakable sound of the car on the gravel horses' hooves. The cart on gravel horses and hooves. It must be noted that I didn't see a thing; I could just hear it. But not only could I hear it, the audible sound travelled up the driveway to the front entrance of the hall, which was about a hundred metres to my left. I watched nothing but could picture the sound travel up the driveway for about 10 seconds. It was unmistakable. Slightly unnerved by this experience, I calmly went back inside to the cottage and spoke briefly to my girlfriend, who could tell something wasn't quite right, but I didn't say anything and went to bed alone to rub one out. Ha ha, you can delete this bit. Sorry, Charlie. And I tried to digest what had happened. At breakfast the next day, I asked if they ever had carriages at Sawley Hall, and I was told yes. They used to park them just in front of the house in a lowered bay where the horse would reverse the cart into a lowered bay so the passengers could get out on the land. Wow. So Charlie did see an alien. Unbelievable. Well, not an alien, a ghost. Or maybe he heard something. Who knows? Maybe he was stoned. Maybe he had too much to drink. You'll never know. But there's some interesting stories for you this week. And um, as I wrap up this week, I want to tell you something that's very exciting. I'm, I'm really proud of what I've done and um, I'm hoping that you'll all get on board with it. Actually, before I talk to you about this exciting thing that I've had a vision for this week, I actually want to tell you my ghost story because I can't let this podcast go without telling you what happened on my stag do, my first ever stag do. 
for my first marriage and um it was in Inverness in the UK my best man Pete had arranged for me and my closest friends to go up to a place called Hilton Lodge which was in the middle of nowhere it was an 8 hour drive and um we all went up there from the north of England we went further north and we arrived at this house called Hilton Lodge which was a shooting lodge in the middle of nowhere and we would plan to do quad bike racing um trout fishing um deer stalking clay pigeon shooting it was like a real boys weekend and we had a chef that came in and cooked meals and all that and anyway so um it was the first night and you know what it's like on the first night everybody gets excited don't they so we'd all settled in all the drink was there you know we were having beers and whiskey and red wine we were all getting absolutely sloshed and we'd all endured a massive trip up there um but we'd got there maybe about five o'clock it was just starting to get dark it was seriously in the middle of nowhere we were surrounded by hills it was it was breathtaking amazing place like brilliant and we all got really really drunk and we were going around this house and it was scary and it was eerie and Pete was making up stories which may have been true may have been half true about the places being haunted and it featured on um um most haunted which was a program in the UK about um the most haunted houses of the UK and we'd all sort of got a little bit spooked out from time to time and it had this long corridor um it was we called it the shining wing um, and the bedrooms were like, you know, sort of made up as kids' bedrooms with old paintings on the walls. It was really eerie. If you allowed yourself to go down that road, it was bloody eerie. But um, anyway, we were all just having a good time drinking. We were in the main room. There was a fire going, and it was all mahogany walls, and there was um, taxidermy on, on all of the walls, deer heads and all that jazz. It was proper, um, you know, Scottish um, hunting lodge. Um Anyway, as you'd imagine, I got absolutely paralytic, drank far too much, and um, they put me to bed at whatever time um, in the main bedroom, which was huge. And um, I remember that Charlie, who I've just been talking about, um, got me upstairs and laid on the bed with me and was sort of talking me through everything, saying, you all right, Paul? And I'm like, yeah, mate, I'm just so drunk. And oh god you know we've got to get up tomorrow we're going fishing aren't we and you know being all euphoric and whatever and um charlie goes i'm just going to open some i'm just going to open some windows so he opened some windows and i remember looking at uh, sort of the net curtains were blowing out a little bit and i was thinking oh well this is all nice i'm going to drift off and pass out and wake up tomorrow and all will be fine and that was that so um and charlie turns i'm going to turn the light off now paul so he turned the light off and that was that. I heard him leave the room and I remember my eyes were closing and I was just thinking, you know, I'm pretty wasted and as you are, whatever, but this is the start of my stag do and having a lovely time and just about to drip, drift off and I heard this noise, this horrible noise, like a... And I'm bolt upright in bed. Turn the bedside lamp on and I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, Paul, you're just drunk. Don't worry about it. You're imagining things. You're in an eerie house. And I'm hearing all the voices from downstairs. I'm thinking, they're still up. Just turn your, turn the light off. Put your head on the pillow. Go back to sleep. It's okay. So I turn the light off. Pull the duvet over me. Get snuggled in. 
put my eyes closed and I'm just hearing this noise again. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what the fuck is that? Turn the light on and all the windows are open in my room, which they were before, but there's the wind's picking up, the, uh, the net curtains are blowing through the windows and I'm just starting to think this is so, so scary. So I get up and I shout down and I shout down the stairs, Charlie, 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 come here. So he runs up the stairs and he's like, what is it, mate? What is it? You okay? You okay? And I'm like, there's a noise. There's a noise in my bedroom, Charlie. There's a noise in my bedroom and I don't like it. And I'm starting to get all worked up. And he's like, mate, you're just drunk. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Like you've had a lot to drink. Just calm down. Go back to bed. Turn the light off. I went, mate, there is a noise. There is a noise in this bedroom, like a wailing noise. And then I said, listen, just stop. And the noise hit, the noise went again, and me and Charlie had just stood there, and this noise, and I'm like, Charlie, can you hear it? He goes, yeah, I can hear it, mate. And Charlie's freaking out, and he's looking at me, and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, Charlie, what is going on? What is going on? He went, Paul, I don't know what's going on, but Pete did say this place was haunted, but don't worry, we're good people, like, it's not going to be, it's, it's going to be fine, don't worry about it. So I then walk out of the room, and I'm like, right, Charlie, we just need to like get out of this room because I'm freaking out right now. And as I look back into the room, a chair flies across the room. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm saying, Charlie, 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 did you see that? Did you see the chair? Did you see the chair? And he's like, oh my God. And I said, Charlie, what is happening? What is happening? He goes, mate, it's obviously haunted. Chill out. It's going to be okay. So then I, and then I hear this banging on the on the door next door. I'm hearing this banging from the bathroom. This like, and I'm like, Charlie, do you hear that? Can you fucking hear that, Charlie? And he's like, Paul, stop freaking me out. You're freaking me out now. And I'm both. We're both hearing these noises. And I'm like, oh my god, run into the bathroom, turn the light on. There's no nothing there, nothing happening. I'm like, oh my god. So I sprint downstairs, and as I get to the top of the stairs, there's a book on every single step. Every single book is opened because I didn't realize this because I was too drunk. But I go down the stairs and Charlie's looking at all these books. And he's like, these are all from the library. And every single book was either turned to page 6, 66 or 666 if it had it. Every single book down the stairs. And Charlie goes, Paul, have you seen all these books? They're all 666. That's like the devil thing. And I'm like, oh my God, Charlie. And I'm crying and, I'm, and, I, and, I, held, and I looked at him and I'll never, ever forget this as long as I live. I held it, I, I reached for him and my hand gripped his wrist and I said to him, I said, Charlie, we are going to die tonight. <laughs> I, as, as I swear on my kid's life that that's what I said. I said, we are going to die tonight. And Charlie is just like full white, horrible. Like he's looking possessed. He's like, he's a different person. Like he's a rational person, but he is so, so intensely worried with me so we ran down the other set of stairs right down to the bottom and i said to phil so i saw phil there and phil's got full camo gear on so phil was in the raf at the time and he had um he brought his full um sort of because we were going out shooting and stuff full camo gear and he had all of his camo gear on and he had boots on and a hat and everything and he was fully camoed up and i was like phil what are you doing he said mate i've got kids at home i'm not staying in this house one for one more second than i have to i'm going and I went, well, what have you seen? He went, mate, I can't even tell you what I've seen. So he gets out one of the doors. He like goes out this side door. And I said, Phil, what are you doing? And he jumps on a quad bike. He went, I'm going back to Leeds. 
Bearing in mind it took us eight hours to drive in a car, Phil's jumped on an, uh, on a quad bike and said, I'm off back to Leeds. So I'm freaking out, right? So I get through to the kitchen. I just want to leave. I just want to get out. And I'm like, Charlie, we have to leave. We have to leave. It's a horrible thing's happening here, Charlie. We have to leave. Anyway, the front door was locked. I couldn't get out, but it was one of those old doors with little individual glass panes of, of glass. So I had like about eight little squares and I was trying to get out through the doorknob, but it wouldn't open. So I've just punched my hand through one of the glass windows and opened the um, glass, uh, opened the knob from the other side and opened the door. And everyone's just like going, Paul, what are you doing? I'm like, mate, there's no, we're locked in, mate. Why the fuck is this door locked? What is going on? Anyway, so I get outside, my hand's bleeding. And when I get out there, all the other lads are there, Chris and um, Stuart and Tom and um few of the other boys and I, i'm just like what are you all doing here what are you all doing and they all just start burst out laughing and i'm just like what the fuck are you laughing about and then phil comes around the corner on the quad bike and he went i'm not really off to leeds am i fucking got you didn't we and i'm like you fucking what and i've got this sense of euphoria and i'm just like you are joking me and i just couldn't believe that they got me They've got me pissed up and all part of the plan was them to start talking about this haunted house and then get me. So the the, the chair that flew across the room was um, Charlie just kicked a chair when I was stood there. That wasn't even part of the plan. When I had my back turned, he got this chair and just flicked it with his foot and the chair just bounced across the room. The sound that I was hearing as I fell asleep was that he'd recorded these eerie noises that he'd done about an hour earlier on his mobile phone. And when he walked out of my room to say goodnight to me, he'd opened the wardrobe door and put the phone in there and press play so that all these eerie noises came through. And the knocking that I heard was Pete in the bathroom next door to me and he couldn't believe it that when I ran in there and saw nothing he was behind the door laughing his head off and I never saw him and then when I went downstairs all the books they just got out of the library and turned to random pages 666 I think only even one of them was maybe on a, uh, that page and Charlie just ran with it and gone oh my god Paul look at this but they had acted so well it was unbelievable I just can't believe they got me and um, the worst thing was we had to ring the glacier the next day and get them to come out and fix the door but we made some story up I made some story up that we were coming in with the guns and over the shoulder and I turned around and anyway who cares it was just one of those things but Hilton Lodge I will, I've never ever been as scared in my life and when I when I held Charlie's wrist and said we're going to die tonight I genuinely meant it and that is the scariest that is the most scared I've ever been in my whole life um, but it was a lovely weekend and um, I got the willies put up me the next night as well but we won't talk about that Anyway, I um, have a final thing to talk to you about this week, and I know I'm going on a little bit, but I feel it's all relevant, so I don't care and I won't apologise. I've decided that this week I'm going to ask you all to nominate somebody that you think deserves to win some money. So I've started a GoFundMe page, and the link will be in the Facebook comments or the Instagram comments. I'm going to make the link available to you. I've started a GoFundMe page and it's be called it's called Because You're Worth It, okay? And the idea of this is that I appreciate that there may be some people out there now that are either listening or their friends or family of listeners that might be doing it tough and they might need a little bit of a a, a little bit of a boost mentally, physically, financially, right? So what I want you to do is I want everybody, this is the rule, you can't nominate somebody unless you um unless you donate so you've got to donate to nominate i came up with that one so you can be anything can be a dollar five dollars whatever but please give generously the idea is that at the end of this 
um, series, which I think is going to be probably two more episodes. So we've got ourselves another couple of weeks. I want to have built, um, put $1,000 in there. I want to have built up ideally a $1,000 slush fund. If you all love this podcast and it has all meant something to you, then please, please, please give generously. Just give what you can. It doesn't have to be much. It can just be a little tiny, you know, $5, $10. But the idea is that once you've nominated, once you've donated the money, you send me an email to pulltulip at yahoo.com and you nominate somebody that you know, friend or family, that you think would really, really deserve and really appreciate, um, let's call it a thousand bucks. It might be less, it might be more, but let's just call it a thousand for the purpose of this proposition. And I will pick the person who I feel most deserves that. And at the end of the series, so in two or three weeks' time, we can give that out to somebody that might really help them. Um, and, you know, the, the better the story is, the more likely it is to be picked. Um, so, you know, it could be somebody who's lost a job. It could be somebody who just needs, you know, a little bit of a pickup. And, you know, we could, we could, you know, they can spend that money on doing whatever they want. They can go out and have a night out with it. They can go to a hotel when they're allowed to. They can buy loads of food or wine or whatever they can do or they can spoil their family with it. Whatever it might be, if you think you've got somebody that you know that's a friend or family that would benefit, then please let me know. But you have to have donated um, to be able to nominate, okay? And I would really appreciate it if you then share the GoFundMe page with other people. Try and get some more listeners on here. Try and get some more money. Because wouldn't it be amazing if nothing else at the end of this podcast series, series one of Tulip Talks, that we actually get a, a feel-good story at the end of it, that maybe somebody um, will get $1,000 um, to go and do something amazing that we can all hear about and all enjoy listening to. So that's my little thoughts this week. That's my little dream. Um, so please, please, please give generously and please get on there and send me in your stories. So anyway, I really appreciate everybody listening this week. I know I've gone on a little bit more, but... You know, these things happen sometimes, don't they? These things happen. So have a good week. Enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. Um, Be safe. Behave. But if you can't be good, be careful. See you next week.